Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on November 27th, 2022, on the basis of Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, that, that, that hymn of the day is a, is a great hymn to introduce a, a great tragedy. A great tragedy recorded for us in, in Genesis chapter 4. Um, aside from the fall into sin, probably the, the first great tragedy. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, what, she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, and you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as was kind of alluded to in the, in the children's sermon, it can be hard to wait sometimes, especially these days. Uh, there maybe was a day when, when waiting was more of a normal occurrence, uh, when, when you had to log on to the internet, dial-up internet, right? And web pages took minutes and not seconds uh, to load. Uh, or, or even time before that, right? Before the internet, before cell phones, before phones ever. There, there was a time where you either had to go and visit somebody to talk to them, or you had to write them a, a handwritten letter and send it in the mail, and, and that took a few days, and then you had to wait for a response, right? Uh, there was a day when, when waiting was maybe nor, more normal than it is today, but today, you can get your Amazon package in two days. In fact, 
It might even come sooner than that, and you're kind of upset if it, if it comes in three days instead of, instead of two. Uh, your phone, it, it logs on to, the, or it connects to the Wi-Fi automatically when you walk into your, your house. Uh, and if you wanted to, uh, if you were away from some family for this Thanksgiving, uh, you, you could hop on FaceTime and you could FaceTime all of your family at the same time if you wanted to. You could do it in, in an instant and communicate that way. We've kind of gotten used to things happening a lot faster. Is that fair to say? Uh, and so maybe, just maybe, our, our capacity to wait has diminished. That's maybe a theory anyways. But in reality, if you put yourself in people's shoes in different places of history, it probably has never really been that easy to wait. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, in talking about Adam and Eve. And I want to take you back to their time. I want to take you back prior to the fall into sin. Have you ever considered what the world was like in perfection? You probably have, although it it is impossible for us to fully get our our minds around what that would be like because we've never experienced what perfection would be like. That that your bodies would function perfectly no headaches, no backaches, no heartburn, no colds, no aches and pains. <laughs> Mosquitoes didn't bite and bees didn't sting. And people weren't worried about natural disasters or, or wars. They weren't worried about diseases. But it was even deeper than that, right? It, it wasn't just uh, that this perfect world was the absence of uncomfortable situations and dangerous situations, but this was a world without sin, That was the world that Adam and Eve had gotten used to. So you could imagine how shocking it was for them uh, when when things changed completely. After the fall into sin, when they were faced with the never-ending imperfection of the world that they weren't used to. They weren't used to, to fights between the two of them Power struggles between the two of them. Jealousy between the two of them. That was a relationship dynamic that they had never known before. Frustration, agony, affliction, those were all new. And not the good kind of new. Those came into the world because of sin. Sin that had separated them from God. Sin that had created hostility in their hearts towards God. And sin that had ruined everything that God had once called good. Living in that reality and enduring this new reality that they weren't used to, you could imagine that that Adam and Eve would hold tightly to God's promise of something better. Because God had promised them something better. Actually, right after the fall into sin... God made a promise to his, his people, a promise that you've heard, heard talked about here many times. Genesis 3, 15, it says, it says this. This is God speaking to the, the serpent in full earshot of Adam and Eve. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her offspring and yours. He, the offspring of the woman, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The offspring of the woman would come to crush the head of Satan, and with his head crushed, he would be rendered powerless, sin would be done away with, 
and death would give way to life. It was a great promise, the first promise of the Savior, the first gospel promise. Do you think Adam and Eve understood that, though? Do you think they knew what God was telling them in, in letting them hear this? You could maybe make the case that it's kind of vague, right? That, that, that passage on its, on its own. Uh, God didn't lay out his entire plan in that, that passage, so did they really understand what God was saying? I'm going to tell you absolutely yes, they did. And here's how you know. Just a few verses before the ones we read today, uh, we, we have a, a part where the Eve, has an, or Eve has her name given to her. Now, Adam was known as Adam because the, the Hebrew word for man is Adam. So that one stayed the same, right? Adam, man. Uh, the, the Hebrew word for woman is Isha. And that was likely what Eve was known as before the fall into sin. She was known as Isha, woman. Yet we know her as Eve, right? Why? Well, because of a little verse in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, this is five verses after the first promise of the Savior, right? Uh, it says, Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all the living. Eve means life. She would be the mother of all the living. And he's not just talking about physical life here. He's talking about life that is truly life, life with God. This gospel promise of life would be fulfilled through the offspring of the woman. Did Adam and Eve believe that promise? Well, five verses after the promise was made, they made it very clear that they did. They believed in this promise of the Savior. They believed in the promise of the head crusher. And so you could imagine the anticipation that they must have felt when they had their first kid. When Cain was born, after all, the head crusher would be the offspring of the woman. So could this child be the head crusher? Eve says of Cain, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. It's a great verse, great, great uh, translation of that verse, but you know how else that could be translated and it would be perfectly valid? It could be translated like this, I have brought forth a man, the Lord. Could this be? Could this be the Lord? All capitals, Lord. The promised head crusher. Could it be him? Well, if Adam and Eve thought that, if their, their hopes were that Cain was going to be this head crusher, their hopes soon would be crushed. In our section for today, you, you heard the story. We're introduced to Cain and Abel. We're told a little bit about their birth, but more about when they're, they're older. We have their, they have their occupations. Cain is a farmer. Abel's, uh, Abel's a, a shepherd. And they both bring offerings to the Lord. Cain brings some of the produce from his, his crops. Uh, and Abel brings the, the fat portions of the firstborn of his flock to the Lord. And they offer these offerings to him. God looks with favor on Abel's, but... On Cain's offering, he does not look with favor, and as you can imagine, and as you heard, Cain was angry about that, very angry. And if he was trying to hide that, that emotion from God, it wasn't hidden from God. God couldn't see his heart. He knows that Cain is angry. And so God confronts Cain in his anger by asking him a few questions. Now, they're questions that God already knows the answer to. Anytime God asks a question, he already knows the answer. 
to that question. But what he's, what he's doing is, he, is he's trying to lead Cain. He's trying to engage Cain's heart here by asking him these questions. And so he says this, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You see, God knew Cain's heart. He knew that Cain was angry, resentful, that Cain was angry at God and angry at, at Abel. After all, Cain brought an offering just like Abel did. In fact, there is no discernible difference between the quality of the offering, at least none that were given in the text. They both brought offerings to God, yet Cain's was not looked on with favor, but Abel's was. So why? Well, let's answer that question by asking another one. Did God need either of those offerings from Cain or Abel? Did he need the, the, the produce from, from Cain? Was God getting hungry? <laughs> did, did, did God need the, the, the fat portions of the, the firstborn of Abel's flock? No, he didn't need it. He created those things. He, he didn't need any of those things. But what God wanted from Cain and Abel was their heart. He wanted their trust and he wanted their worship. God doesn't need anything from you. Anything that you could give God, he could create for himself. He doesn't need your good works. He doesn't need the money you put in the offering plates. He could get by without you. But what he wants, what he wants is your heart. He wants your worship. He wants your trust. God had Abel's. He had Abel's trust, his heart, his worship. He didn't have Cain's. We're told why uh, Abel's offering was, was acceptable to God, was looked on with favor. In a later book of the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of the Hebrews says this, By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Abel's offering was better not because it was better quality. Abel's offering was better because it was an offering offered in faith. Faith is the only thing that separated Abel from Cain. And the lack of faith is the only thing that separated Cain from God. Abel trusted God, Cain didn't. This separation that Cain felt between him and God, it really could have been rectified pretty easily by Cain putting his trust in, in God, right? But instead, this distance that Cain felt between him and God manifested in a different way. It manifested in anger and resentment, anger that he eventually took out on his brother Abel. It says they went out to the fields together and then Cain uh, attacked Abel and killed him. God had warned Cain, right? He warned him. He said, don't let sin linger in your heart because sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. The devil wants to have you. The devil wants to own you. And sin has the, the capability of, of overtaking you. Cain didn't heed God's words. If you're sitting here today, I, I think it's a pretty safe bet for me to say that you've never murdered somebody like Cain has. But, even if you have, the root of that sin, the root of murder, adultery, stealing, uh, lying, 
any of the sins you can list, the root of all of those starts right here, right in this heart, in the heart that, that we were born with, the heart that we inherited from sinful Adam and, and Eve. The root of those sins starts here. So heed God's advice. Confess it. Get it out of here and turn to Jesus for forgiveness. Things could have turned out a lot differently for Cain. If Cain would have confessed his sin uh, rather than letting it linger, things would have gone differently. If Cain trusted in God rather than resenting him, things could have gone a lot differently. But instead, Cain let, let sin linger, and now his brother was dead. Now, if you're Adam and Eve in this scenario, and you had this expectation that maybe, maybe this was going to be the, the head crusher, this was going to be the fulfillment of God's promise, how devastated would you be to learn that one of your sons is dead and the other is a murderer? How could sin have caused that much wreckage for them? At this point, more than ever, Adam and Eve needed to hear the promise of that gospel again. Maybe there's times in your life where you feel a little bit like Adam and Eve, where the, the wreckage of sin is really obvious uh, in your own heart and in the world around you, and you need to hear the, the gospel promise. You need to hear that someone would come who would not be like Cain, but instead would be perfect. Instead would be perfect for you. You need to hear that, that the head crusher wouldn't give in to his impulses like Cain did. You need to hear that the, the head crusher uh, wouldn't let sin linger in his heart, but would rule over that sin to save you from yours. You see, Cain, when he in his own mind was provoked, uh, he retaliated. Cain didn't just make threats, he followed through on them. Cain was, was not the, the head crusher. But the head crusher that would come would be perfect, and he would come in just the right time. After plenty of waiting, God would send his own son in just the right time, to be perfect and to save you and I. That's what Peter said, right? He said, he committed no sin, talking about Jesus, and no deceit was found on his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Jesus came to be what Cain wasn't. Jesus came to be what you and I aren't. When Jesus was, uh, was insulted, he didn't respond. When Jesus was beaten, he didn't retaliate. Even as Jesus hung on the cross with his arms stretched wide, not a, vile thought left, not a vile word left his mouth, not a vile thought crossed his mind. He was perfect for you, perfect to save you, perfect so he could be your perfect sacrifice. Peter went on. He said, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Cain obviously wasn't the head crusher, and that broke Adam and Eve's heart. Um, Adam and Eve would have to 
wait. But they still held on to that promise. That just because Cain wasn't the head crusher didn't mean Genesis 3.15 wasn't true. God's promise was true and they held on to that truth their entire life. They, they never saw the fulfillment of that, that promise. But they passed that promise on to their kids, to their grandkids, to their great-grandkids, and we know it today because they did just that. They kept passing that promise on. And it is through faith in that promise that they were saved. They were looking back, or they were looking ahead. We're looking back. They were waiting for the day when, when somebody would come and crush the head of, of Satan. We know that day has already come. Jesus has already come and been born of Mary. Jesus has already died on the cross and been raised to life, and he has crushed the head of Satan. And now, when we wait, we wait knowing that that's already happened. We wait now to either meet our eternal rest and go meet Jesus, or we wait for Jesus to come back again, whichever one comes first. And as we wait for that, we do the same thing that, that Adam and Eve did. We hold on to God's promises. We hold on to the completed work that Jesus has done. We pass that promise on to our, our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids and anyone who will listen to us. Because it is that promise and faith in that promise that saves. God grant it. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Hey, in this 21st century, one of the ways that you can share your faith is pretty easy. By sharing this podcast, by sharing this sermon, you, you can share Jesus' love with somebody that might need to hear it today. If you like what you, you heard today, maybe consider doing something just like that. And we'll, we'll see you here back next week for another sermon. God bless.